everybody seen out here and welcome to dopamine the show that is like black friday willingly diving into the deep depths of humanity <laughs> it is black friday when i'm recording this and i usually try to avoid it it's just too much i can't nope not doing it uh, even when i have money i try to be very careful when it comes to black friday because it's a time when you can really get yourself in a bad spot if you're overspending on holiday gifts or for yourself it's just not a, i don't like this time of year personally i feel like it's uh, it puts my marketing and uh, sales defenses on high alert and i'm just i'm not a big fan of it at all <laughs> um but the one thing that does bring to bring to that does spring to mind when i talk about black friday is effective messaging and that is something we are going to be talking about today with my guest, Tori Reed, who's a good friend of mine, someone I met on Facebook through the Gorilla Group. And uh, she is really great at helping people. She's an expert at messaging. So she's really good at letting people know um, how they can employ more intentionality in the way that they speak to, be, to people, not only in business, but in life. And talking about clarity of conversation. And we talk about clarifying language. We talk about power dynamics. We talk a lot about a lot of really interesting stuff when it comes to conveying accurately an idea from one person to another person, right? So while this is in more of a business context, which is something I want to bring onto the show a little bit more, um, this can apply to mental health situations and really effective communication between people, right? So uh, it's pretty interesting. I love talking to Tori. She's fantastic. So hopefully you'll enjoy the show as well. And by the end of the show, you can check out, check out Tori's stuff. And um, you know, hopefully we'll have her again on the show in the future. So without further ado, Tori Reed, welcome to the show. Let's do it. Drums, all right friends welcome to the show today i've got my good friend toy reed with me to talk about all sorts of fun things say hello to the people what's up thanks for having me on man i really appreciate it oh i've been excited to have you on and really just talk with you kind of one-on-one -on -one for a little while actually because i've seen you all around the gorilla group i've seen you doing your own thing on facebook uh you've got your own groups and stuff going on so tell us a little bit about um who you are and what you do all right my name is tori reed um i'm mainly known for my group i think content mastery for entrepreneurs and where i help uh, entrepreneurs who feel like they're struggling getting their message together and putting out content that actually like resonates online and gets engagement and more importantly, probably for them gets customers and clients. Um, a lot of people struggle with that. And so a lot of people know me because I help them out with those things, but I'm launching a new project, which maybe we'll talk about later, but I'm getting back into the done for you end of it. And mm -hmm. so I'm doing copywriting now in addition to educating in, right. in that realm. Yeah, and all of that's really good because you're you're not only helping people with their messaging, but a lot of what you're doing is involving coaching and motivation and confidence and stuff too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mindset is a huge part of it, a huge part of it. So. Yeah, and, and that's a big aspect of what we talk about on the show. While we, we talk about, like, or I talk about, I should say, like the <laughs> mental health aspect of things uh, quite a bit because, you know, mindset is such uh, like a wide field of 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 study essentially where sometimes you've got people talking about mindset to, you know, uh, neurotypical people who are just kind of having confident issues, confidence issues. And then there are other people who are having mental health specific issues. Do you kind of, uh, live in one area or another, or have you worked with people struggling with different mental health issues? 
Um, yes and no. So I definitely don't want to like misrepresent myself as somebody yeah. who specializes in like mental health work. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but I'm familiar with, with a lot of different mental health issues, um, like clinical anxiety and clinical depression, you know? And right. so I'm familiar with a lot of these different things. So I do whenever, wherever and however I can absolutely support, you know, um, my squad, my crew, uh, right. through these things. yeah, 100%. <laughs> I think you're really good too at making people feel like you're good at the community building aspect, which I I struggle with, especially as someone with mental health issues that, that sets a ton of boundaries. It's really hard to build community. Um, I think you've been really good at that at nurturing and letting people feel uh, a sense of confidence when they're building, you know, when they're trying to build their own thing. Um, So essentially I kind of want to get to, I'm trying to work my way over to like how all of this started for you. You know, when did you start to go this direction? Did you have jobs before? Um, And uh, where did you see, when did you see that you were the person that you could totally help people uh, or that, that you were the person that could totally help people? I love how you phrase that question. Most people are like, (laughs) where where you come from? How'd you get started? And that's it. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it's been a super long road. And so I've been at it for about eight years, totally. Like I got started in the whole freelance writing realm. Um, And I was very like super, I was super behind the scenes. I have social anxiety myself. And so I'm not, and I'm like super introverted. So I'm not really a a people person. So I think it's funny that you said I'm good at community building. Right. Um, (laughs) Because I would think of myself as someone who's not good at that thing. But Uh so I really like to stay behind the scenes. I didn't really want to do the whole personal brand, put myself out there kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And from a business aspect and from a business perspective, that was hurting me. And so specifically like what gave me like the fire under my ass, I've been thinking about, you know, launching a course around what I had learned in content marketing and digital marketing, more specifically geared to blogging for a couple of years, but Mm -hmm. I hadn't moved on it. And then I noticed that clients um that I was writing for they started to ask me for coaching services they were like hey do you think we could do like a coaching call because they realized when I started to explain the why behind Mm -hmm. you know I wrote this this way for a reason or I'm thinking of this strategy for a reason when I started to explain the why behind that stuff they're like oh this is like really interesting stuff I never thought of it that way um Mm -hmm. I really don't know much about marketing do you think we could start scheduling coaching calls I would like to know more about this and mm-hmm. so I really started coaching by accident. <laughs> um, it wasn't on purpose. Right. And then when I realized how much it was helping those clients that I already had, I was just like, you know what, let me pull the trigger on this whole like course and coaching thing. And that's really how I got started. That's fantastic. And messaging is so important. I think, uh, you know, for me, it's been a long time coming that I also have uh, sort of become comfortable being who I am and expressing that. And that's a real challenge for a lot of people is allowing themselves to be themselves, not just messaging in terms of like, quote unquote, pandering to an audience or, you know, trying to pretend to be an expert in something, but to really own who you are, which is something that I'm developing. I'm developing a brand blaster course, which is all about that. You know, the idea of building your own, you know, developing your personality as like the sort of base layer of everything that you do. Because I think many of us have a struggle with really fully understanding and embracing who we are as a person, because we're kind of like beat down by a lot of things around us. As we go through life, we go through business, and people tell you all these should statements of, 
how you should do this, how you should do that. Just this morning, I asked people like, what's the most annoying uh, cliche advice that life coaches give to people? And, um, you know, because it, there is this, there is this identity out there from the, the life coach scene, as it were, that uh, uh, this like kind of fake it till you make it sort of mindset, as it were. And I think a lot of that comes from a fairly loose messaging. Um, and it is getting somewhere, I promise. <laughs> this is just kind of what I do. Um, <laughs> uh, no, you're good. I'm interested. I'm interested. Keep it going. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, kind of, kind of the point is that, you know, if you have intentionality in your messaging and you can totally, you know, uh, um, support this or not, but uh, if there's intentionality in your messaging, a purpose, you know, you're looking at everything behind the scenes, which it sounds like you, you've been, and what I've seen, you've been pretty much the expert in that, um, that, that you've been able to, that, that people are able to uh, attach their own personality to their messaging a little bit more, right? They're not just taking you know, bits and pieces of what they see around the internet and uh, copy pasting it. They're able to consider like, okay, what is my story? What can I bring into this that is unique and interesting and, um, you know, connect with the people that I actually want to connect with based on my personality type? Because like Mm -hmm. part of that also is that, you know, we go through life when we're kids, especially like, um, we make friends pretty easily when we're kids and as adults, it's hard, <laughs> but, yeah. um, you know, and, and a lot of that is like, when you're a kid, you have a pretty clear understanding of like, I want to be friends with this person and I don't want to be friends with this person, but there's <laughs> something that happens as we get older where that line becomes really blurry in weird ways. Like we become very averse to a lot of people, but then we accept other people in our life that we don't want in our life. <laughs> um, so uh, all this rambling kind of leads to just uh, uh, how much how much personality development are you doing within someone's like messaging uh, when they're when you're helping them to develop their messaging? Are you working with them to extract certain things, or are there any kind of commonalities you've seen in like the difficulties that someone has with like extracting that that messaging, you know, underlying fire, as it were? One hundred percent. Um, I agree with everything you just said, first off. Secondly, (laughs) secondly, yeah, no, that's a super common theme. And so especially when I'm, when I'm working one-on-one with coaching clients, um, I'm quick, like on a coaching call or if I'm doing editing work, I am super quick to Mm -hmm. say, this doesn't sound like you, where are you in this? Something could be so well-written and not be the person, you know, who wrote it. Right. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. So many people do that. I want to say probably a good like 80 or 90% of the people that I've worked with definitely do that. I even do that at times. I'll look back at, you know, a post after writing it and putting it out and being like, where am I? Right. <laughs> so it totally happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm super quick to call it out with my coaching clients. And what I, the easiest thing for anybody to do before you post and actually got this from my editor in chief at mm-hmm. Lifehacker when I worked there. Mm-hmm. He had me do this for, you know, readability purposes, for editing purposes, not for personality purposes, but it works super good for personality too. I have you, I have them read it out loud, whatever it is you just wrote, read it out loud and see if it sounds like you, if it doesn't sound like you stop at that line and then figure out why it doesn't sound like you and then fix it. Right. Um, 
but if you read it out loud, you can catch those moments like really quickly. Yeah, I think it's that's the easiest hack to put your personality and just to hold yourself accountable for making sure that you're presenting yourself in the piece. And then, of course, you know, Mm -hmm. there are other things that come to play. Like a lot of people, they still struggle with, am I allowed to curse? Am I allowed to drop F-bombs? Am I allowed to really say how I really feel about this? I don't know. Right. And a lot of that can be, um, well, I just hold them accountable. Like, if you want to curse, curse. I don't really play that game with people. I'm just like, no, just do it. Like, who cares? But when it comes to, you know, I feel like an asshole if I say this, or I feel like I'm being mean if I say that, a lot of that is about framing. And so that's really pure messaging work. You can frame something that sounds really, really mean, or you could frame it differently and the delivery suddenly becomes softer. And then you Mm -hmm. can frame it even more differently. And suddenly it goes from being mean and maybe belittling or bashing to being uplifting and energizing. And you're Mm -hmm. all, all of these different things can be saying the exact same thing but you say it, it's how you say it that really determines how it's going to be received. And so I help people with that too. Yeah. Words really do matter. <laughs> the, way, yeah. the way that you put it all together absolutely matters. I find that most, um, most expressions or accidental expressions of offense is typically an inaccurate use of wording because it doesn't always match someone's intention, right? And sometimes that intention comes out in harsh language or something that's finger pointing or something that's just sort of berating someone. But Mm -hmm. uh, to, to kind of go on the other side of that, you know, some people have a really hard time extracting their personality and other times people are sort of making excuses for bad behavior by saying it's their personality. So what I mean by that is like, I I know it's very popular in a lot of online circles and really for anyone to just say like, you know, be unabashedly be yourself, right? Which I think is absolutely true and absolutely great. But at the same time, sometimes people allow that to be an excuse to be sort of hurtful or hateful or, um, or to say things in a way that is, um, not considering intention. So is there a part of what you do that kind of helps people figure out what are the appropriate filters or is it just more like more reframing uh, language that they need to consider? I usually do more reframing work. So if I'm working with someone who is just, you know, that breed of asshole, like I know who you're talking about. I had like several images of people that I know pop up into my head. <laughs> yep. so I know exactly what you mean. Like um, there's one time, and this is back when I was still holding day jobs, I was waiting tables and this chick, I won't say her name, just in case like the world is really small in this case, yeah. but there's this one chick, she walked up to me and she said something super offensive. And mm. I forget exactly what it was, but I was just like, I don't like this girl. Like immediately I was just like, I don't like her at all. And then I went and I told somebody else who I was friends with at work about it. I'm just like, yeah, why is she so mean? And they're like, oh, that's just how she is. And I'm like, that's not okay. Right. <laughs> it's not okay for that to just be how somebody is, for them to just be openly disrespectful that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now I totally understand what you're talking about. I tend to work with people who care more about delivery that tends to be my idea. Like that's why they come to me. You'll find that people who don't care about their delivery don't care much about messaging. Those things kind of go hand in hand. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so it's more about like the reframing, like they'll catch it and they'll be like, uh, like uh, the people that I work with tend to be super empathetic. Um, sometimes overly empathetic. I'm actually a little bit on the harsher end because I do believe in clarity of message and balancing mm-hmm. that with delivery. And right. you'll find me oftentimes when we're 
when I'm having to decide between is this clear or is this soft, I will choose clarity over, you know, softness of delivery, probably a solid 70 to 80% of the time. Um, but a lot of the people that I attract, they lean more towards being empathetic and, and thinking, okay, can I frame this in a way that's super, super soft? And so really it's, it tends to be more about framing and I totally support them in that, but I will also hold them accountable. I'm just like, if it's not, if, if at the end of the day, it's still beating around the bush or it gets mm -hmm. to the point where it's beating around the bush because you're trying so hard not to be harsh, right? go, go with clarity. That's really important. So. Yeah, it's really like this beautiful intersection of all of these things, being clear, but being at least a little bit empathetic, depending on what it is. I think I think also with the empathetic thing, like you're saying, like people can go so far in the other direction. I think that is like, that is what um, kind of, you know, the Gary V types and a lot of people are really uh, fighting against is this um, expression of people pleasing and yeah. really just not allowing yourself to be yourself in service of making sure that someone else is happy. And, you know, they, they say things like, I just want everyone to be happy, but you know, you count as everyone, right? You are a part of everyone. And that is like, yeah. <laughs> that's one of the big things that I try to message. Like I do a lot of Myers-Briggs stuff too. So, um, one of the functions is extroverted feeling that, uh, there's, there's, 50% of women account for extroverted feelers, which is like, sounds so cliche, but it's true. And it becomes a, a, a matter of, of difficulty when having those discussions, because that extroverted feeling can be about um, harmony and making sure people's needs are met. And when they are doing their best, they're working through conflict, right? You're, you're not just bouncing off of a wall and hoping something goes away, but you're working through conflict and you're, you're, you're not necessarily being drama filled, but you, you're not shying away from having a difficult conversation. Yeah. And um, I think part of it, so like training with someone like you um, is also helpful to have, to give people the tools to have those in-person conversations as well. Cause that's, that's got to translate to like any kind of coaching they do or any other in-person relationships that they have to be able to learn how to work through conflict and not try to avoid it all the time. Yeah, no, 100%. You're absolutely right. And that's the thing that I really love about this skill that I have with words is because mm -hmm. you can use it in every, like literally every aspect of your life, whether it be professional or otherwise. Right. Um, and it's going to help you. And so, and a part of that is, I think, picking your battles. And then if you decide to pick a battle, it's how to go about it so that it doesn't blow up into a war. You know what I mean? Because confrontation will happen. Right. The, the natural part of having interpersonal relationships. And I agree with you. A lot of people do, I think, shy away from those confrontations too often. Mm -hmm. um, but I used to be someone who was highly confrontational, like too mm -hmm. confrontational. I was the other extreme. Yep. So I'm like, I want to have every conversation. I want to have every conversation about everything. <laughs> and I right. found myself um, getting to a place where I was just like, am I just stirring the fucking pot? Like, what am I doing? Like, why is there, why is there so much drama in my life? And I had to like, take a step back and be like, maybe I'm choosing all of the battles and maybe all of the battles aren't important. Um, right. And like, I think that's a super point? personal decision. It's just like, which ones, you know, that's something that I haven't mastered. That's something I'm still working on. Like which battle is actually important to you? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have the for that. The, yeah. That seems like a really common thing also with the way people communicate on social media, especially when you're marketing on social media, you feel like you have to engage with everyone or try to get someone to 
you know, try to try to drag them to your services <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> Just like I have to fight with everyone to let them know I'm right so that they'll buy my stuff. And uh <laughs> That's just not how any of that works. I, I think many of us are still reeling and learning how to communicate with each other online because it's a very text-based medium. So it's really difficult to consider, you know, all of the angles that someone could be uh, interpreting something from. Because even if you are the most intentional about the way that you uh, express yourself via text in any kind of way, it's still up to the interpretation of the listener. And uh, in, in that way, it's like your messaging becomes a natural qualifier because if someone's going to be upset about, you know, you putting the most intention and the most um, care into your messaging and still you make someone upset, like then it becomes a qualifier if you're trying the best that you can. Yeah. Um, no, I totally agree. So one of the things that, it can be difficult. It is up to, to the interpretation of the listener, mm -hmm. but there are ways like the more literal you are with the usage of your words, right. um, the more accurately you're going to communicate and the more precisely you're going to communicate. And so that's really just all about like trying to craft a precise message where mm -hmm. there's only where they're like, you're minimizing the room for them to think, Oh, you actually meant this. And it's also with so many people, I've seen so many people, They'll say, oh, well, I want to say this, or I'm feeling this way, but I don't know how to say it. And the whole reason that they feel like they don't know how to say it is because for some reason, it's like over people's heads to just add in a clarifying statement. Like if I want to objectify it, like just add in a clarifying statement and mm -hmm. say, what I mean by that is this, or no, I'm not talking about this. Um, but what happens is like in clarifying statements say, will save the day like 99% of the time. Clarifiers will save the day. Right. But it's added text. And I think something that is happening with, um, I don't know if it's a millennial thing. I don't know if it's like purely a technology thing, but people are, people who try to communicate thoroughly in text mm -hmm. um, are often shamed for sending quote unquote novels. Right. right? <laughs> but people, people really want you to be as short and sweet as possible with the uh -huh. way they communicate with yep. them it's all about instant gratification and saving time and i don't want to read all of that right and, um which i always think is like very interesting because if you write really well then you can pull them down the text and it's not really going to matter but most people you know don't or they don't take the time to learn and so right. that's where i think a lot of the miscommunication happens i think it happens because people don't take the time to communicate fully and thoroughly exactly what they mean to be honest i think people could take a lot more control over how people, how others will interpret their message if they are thorough communicators. But in this day and age, like so many people want to be very short in how they communicate. And they're like, oh, if I can't say this in like two to five sentences, I'm just not going to say it at all. And then I'm like, but then how is anybody supposed to know how you feel? Right. How's anyone going to learn anything? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, part of that is also leading by example, which is like, what I try to do on the show and what I try to do online also when I'm learning new things about how to communicate. Uh, I mean, I was in the same boat as you. I think we might actually be the same personality type now that I think about it. Um, <laughs> um, but I'm kind of in the same boat as you is like, you know, especially around like 2016, I was like arguing with everyone about like, oh, yeah. and like social things. And I still get involved in some stuff, but it's usually when it involves a clarifying statement or sometimes I see when two people are really talking about the same thing, but they're dancing around it. You know, that clarifying statement is absolutely important, but I think 
I think the difficult thing and something that I've struggled with also is that a clarifying statement feels like a resignation or an apology or a relinquishing of power. And I think that is very indicative of the human experience. It's something that I've talked about in uh, previous podcasts about like apologizing. And I have a concept that I worked through called the apology ladder, which is essentially about relinquishing power in order to accept or give an apology. You know, if you're in a conflict with someone that you essentially have to uh, do an exchange of power in order to work through the conflict. And if one person is left feeling too much power or powerless, they tend to go to other arguments to try to regain that power or to abuse that power. Um, It's a bit abstract, but (laughs) the idea is that I've certainly noticed that when people are not giving clarifying statements or, or my, at least my theory is that if someone is not giving a clarifying statement, they may be afraid subconsciously that that apology or that clarity is about relinquishing any sense of power that they have within the conversation. Hmm. <laughs> I never thought it that way. We might be talk, like talking about two different things when it comes to clarifying statements. Yeah. Try. Okay. Um, or we could be totally talking about the same thing because I, right. I can see what you're talking about. <laughs> maybe it requires I, a clarifying statement. Yeah, maybe it does. I mean, do you have an example of what you were thinking when you were talking about a clarifying statement? Yeah, I don't think I, I can't think of one right now. For some reason, I'm drawing a blank. But okay. um, like, okay, in, in terms of race which is this conversation can get wild, but there are so many times like in 2016, yes, I too was arguing with all kinds of people about all kinds of things. Right. Um, and there were so many times when I felt, and I'm sure the other person on the other end of that argument felt as though, you know, I felt like somebody else was being racist or they felt like I was just being closed minded and not willing and not open to hearing them. Right. And there were so many times in those arguments where I, I look back on some of them and I think to myself, like, I don't think that person, like when you're in hindsight is 2020, I don't think that person was necessarily racist at heart. I think they sounded racist in the way that were the things. And maybe if they had just made a clarifying statement, like, no, I'm not saying that black lives don't matter. What I'm saying is X, Y, and Z, then mm-hmm. that wouldn't necessarily be an apology. That would literally just be providing clarity on what they really mean by the statement. Um, same thing for myself, because, you know, anybody in an argument is going to communicate poorly. That's part of the reason people get into arguments. And it's a lot of the reason that people aren't able to resolve it. You're not able to resolve it till you come back calm so that you're able to communicate more clearly. Like, that's kind of the point. Um, but that's kind of what I meant by clarifying statement. But I can also see, like, I think of other examples, like a buddy of mine who got herself into a pickle one time with a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, asked her to be her girlfriend too soon and a clarifying statement in that particular situation would have been like oh I want you to be my girlfriend but if you want to wait that's okay I can mm-hmm. kind of see that tying into the whole like oh low lessening power like backtracking on what you just said kind of deal yeah you know what I mean so I think there's like two ways to look at it yeah I mean we are talking about the same thing but uh, I think the clarity on my end is that it's about the perception of the people in the argument. It's the perception that some people might have that if they provide a clarifying statement of some kind, uh, that they may be relinquishing some sense of power by, you know, not being clear or something like that, right? That's still not 
completely formed and I'm like thinking about this as we go, but uh, you know, there, I think, I don't think it applies to every single, you know, situation, but um, I, I, it's, it's kind of in the same ballpark. Yeah. So. <laughs> Either way, it's that, you know, that idea of, of um, clarifying statements is absolutely powerful because like you said, in that moment, that clarifying statement, lets someone know that they're not being aggressive. I think that maybe is another clarifying, like another um, commonality is that, that like, they're not being aggressive. They're not being aggressive about asking this person out. So, like, I think one of the big fears when, at least in a relationship context is when you ask someone out that, you if they say no then you'll never have contact with that person ever again <laughs> and oh, yeah. uh, right For and sure. if you're able to clarify it like you were saying like hey uh i would like to date you but if it's if if it's not a thing then you know it's cool like i'm not going to disown you <laughs> or i'm not going <laughs> to you know we're not going to not be friends or anything i just i would like to be more that would be rad and mm-hmm. uh you know just but it's interesting how that one little sentence in between um I don't know. To me, it feels like some sort of like a backing down. Like, I I don't know. Again, it's kind of abstract, but it feels a little bit like a backing down kind of statement. And I think a lot of people feel like they have to be aggressively assertive with the way that they say things. And that, that clarity can be interpreted as like a softening of their language. And again, I think is like a relinquishing of power. So I think that's where that all kind of connects. (laughs) That's so interesting. I never thought about it like that. I really that's like such an interesting perspective. I've never considered, I've never considered that before. So I love the psychology that you just put behind that. I've always like wrapped my brain over like, why don't people just clarify what they're saying? Right. Um, I'm quick to clarify. It doesn't bother me one way or the other. I don't think too much about it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just simply about being clear. That's it. It's just simply about being understood. Right. So sticking to like the relationship scenario, I have no issue if I'm interested in dating someone saying, yeah, I'd like you to be my girlfriend. If you're not ready, I get it. Want to go get something to eat? Like, no big deal. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah, but, I don't know. I don't know where that etymology of that sort of thinking comes from. The 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 fear. I think the fear is tied to that relinquishing of control, right? And it kind of all um, ties in in that way. And that's something that I think about a whole lot because I see uh, once I go through all of this once I've been going through like typology and all of this personal development stuff and, and really starting to see it applied in the real world, I start to see all of the missing pieces of how people are, are dealing with conflict or not dealing with conflict. And that is one of those things is like, there is this consistent push and pull of, of power between people or this perception of power, not necessarily actually power, which is like another difficult kind of abstract thing to talk about. Um, <laughs> You know, it's, it's the perception. I've seen it between families, right? Like where the, the mom is kind of in charge of the dad and the dad takes it out on the kids. And, um, and there's just like this power exchange that doesn't necessarily happen in any kind of even way. Like one person is dominating another person. Um, but even to go back into like that relationship context situation, like it's really easy for i don't know why it's the case for someone to feel like they have to be aggressive to get what they want i don't know if it's an american culture thing i don't know if it's an inherent natural tendency for people to just like feel like they need to take what they want in order to get it but uh, i haven't gone that far back yet but um, I, i think in the case of like clarity of language i think the clarity of language allows you to take control of that softening you know, because it's not like someone is is 
asking you to be meek or anything like that. It's like you're yeah. allowing yourself through expressing language, being in control of the language. You're allowing yourself to be in control, control of the ebbs and flows of your own usage of power in this situation. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So maybe that's why I never thought of it because to me, um, I feel the most powerful when I feel the most understood. Those things correlate very strongly with me. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm strictly speaking in, in like a social situation. The, yeah. more, the better understood I feel, the more power I feel like I have over any situation. Um, at the end of the day, I'm a mindful, I'm a mindfulness kind of girl and I'm spiritual. So I know that the only thing I can really control is myself, but mm -hmm. I'm very aware that if I communicate clearly, then I'm able to influence the room right. and um, I'm able to do like really great things by that. And I'm able to kind of influence the energy and the vibe and keep it happy so that it doesn't have to be crappy. You know what I mean? And so, right. and that to me, that's how I perceive power. And so I have no, I guess if you think of it in like a, battle versus war kind of scenario mm -hmm. the little insignificant battles that you could feel for by making a clarifying statement right is going to help you win the war and at the end of the day if you use your powers for good which i always because you can obviously use this power for good or evil communication is like a magic wand once you master it you're like golden right um, then if you use your powers for good then everybody's happy at the end of the day you know right. what i mean yeah. and that to me is power and so that's why it doesn't really bother me to make clarifying statements um and it doesn't bother me to backtrack and stuff i do struggle with apologizing because i always feel like i'm right i'm a little self-righteous but other than that <laughs> we're definitely the same personality that. type <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny <laughs> uh yeah that's something i've struggled with too is is uh the need to be right or correct but uh, uh, again to kind of tie it into the Myers-Briggs stuff because I know some of my audience does listen to that stuff um, is like, you know, I'm an INTP and I'm guessing you're an INTP, but if you're, if you're not, you can tell me later. Um, but, uh, uh, okay. So we, we, right. So as an INTP, I lead with what's called introverted thinking, which is a very individualized function of living. Um, and INFPs lead with introverted feeling, which is also a very individualized function in relation to emotional experiences. Um, then there's the opposite spectrum, which is extroverted feeling or extroverted thinking. It's about the external world, the, the real world, how people operate uh, outside, essentially. And um, extroverted feeling is about community. So there's kind of like this interesting two sides of the coin when it comes to sort of developing communication and identity and language where, you know, for me, for us, we're more individual types of people. We are definitely very focused on, you know, creating power for ourselves and for other type of people, types of people, it's very natural for them to ascertain their reality, their sense of community, their sense of identity through other people. So like that interesting balance is really fascinating to me. The fact that like, and, and what has helped me let go of that self-righteous feeling is this notion that not everyone is going to be like me or nor they should they should they be like me mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah different that's personality what, too, actually. <laughs> what does that say that again i said that's what's been helping me too actually like this past year i really tried to like hold you that like nobody has to think the way that you think but chill out 
Right. Yeah, you know, we're in charge of our own path and whether that involves like learning about ourselves through other people or learning through ourselves, it's um, you know, there's it's not necessarily unhealthy to be one way or the other, right? There's just a lot more nuance than I think many of us um, are aware of because we're only really used to our own experience. It's really fascinating because like things like, like Molly, she tells me about like her past experience with um, like being in evangelical Christian circles. And I have zero context for that. I've never been religious in any means. I'm a little bit more holistic these days. Like I'm almost accidentally Buddhist, it turns out. (laughs) But, um, you know, she tells me about all these experiences and how she grew up feeling or thinking this way. And I'm like, I have zero context for how that could be. Like I've always been someone on the outside in saying like, that seems maddening. But it's actually worked for a lot of people. It works for people to be holistic or religious or to build community or whatever. I don't think that changes the need for clarifying language for anyone, but I think the definition of how they relay that language, whether or not they, they, how they approach conflict and stuff like that becomes much more nuanced and interesting. Um, And uh, that's not in service of like, (laughs) you know, uh, um, you know, uh, desensitizing your your mission or anything like that that's not what that's about um it's just about you know that that clarifying message like you've we talked about early on is about learning about someone's experiencing experiences and bringing out their individual identity regardless of what that takes yeah word (laughs) (laughs) um unless you have any closing statements i think this is a good place to wrap up um, I, I, we've, we've had a few revelations on this episode. <laughs> yeah, no, this has been a super cool talk. I like want to do this more often with you, but um, <laughs> who's listening, um, if you want to get to know me better, you can always add me on Facebook or LinkedIn, mm-hmm. Tori Reed. Um, and then, you know, we'll go from there. I assume that Christian knows good people. So I imagine I'll meet some good people from this. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, this has been great. And, and Tori is the real deal. We follow a lot of people and not to call out any names, but we see a lot of phonies and Tori is not one of the phonies. She knows what she's doing when, uh, you know, there was a lot of Facebook issues. She knew her way around it. She knew how to, she, know, she knows all the things. She is the, the, she's the person to keep in your uh, virtual Rolodex throughout uh, business life so get in touch with her and if you have any questions or if you're unsure of how to get in touch with her or if you're nervous about getting in touch with her first of all don't she's rad as hell and then um but if you're unsure you can hit us up at anchor.fm slash dopamine leave a voice message or hit me up at let's go see note on all the social channels it'd be amazing if you guys leave a rating and review that would be rad and share this episode because i think the whole uh clarity of messaging and Uh, clarity of messaging is good for expressing mental health uh, as well and expressing anything that you're doing in business. And um, it helps with building self-confidence because if you have control over those ebbs and flows of like the power we were talking about, then, you know, nothing can really stop you. It's, it's, it's a good start. I agree. (laughs) Fantastic. All right. We're going to wrap up this show and go live our lives. Thank you, Tori, for being here. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been awesome. Yeah. All right. See you guys later. Bye. 
Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to Dopamine and providing your support for this show. I really, really appreciate it. If you really love this show, leave a review on iTunes and Stitcher to show some love for the podcast. You can also check out cnote.media to check out my work and my courses. But um, with that, we'll catch you next time. See you guys later. <laughs>